Hey everyone, and welcome to Off the Beaten Clef. This is episode number 11. Yes, sir. I am Dylan, and I am hosting this episode, and with me is Kevin. Hey. We're going to be talking about Youngblood's Weird from 2020. far into talking about the album we have to discuss the elephant in the room i know everyone's wondering dylan this isn't episode number 11 episode number 10 isn't on here you're right <laughs> it's not uh <laughs> kevin uh ben and i recorded a top five songs of 2020 yep. and if you've listened to our uh, queen city podcast you realize that we've already discussed this but i beefed up i lost uh lost all the audio uh, my computer crashed before I was able to save it, so we lost the audio to a two-hour podcast, and it was so much fun. It was such a good episode. Yeah. It's a bummer that it's gone, but we're in like, um, what I don't know what stage of grieving you're in. <laughs> I'm, I'm, in I'm at full acceptance. Okay, yeah. I'm getting to acceptance. Yeah, I'm full acceptance. I was in denial for like three or four days. Everyone's Kevin and Ben are texting me like, "How's the editing going?" Like. <laughs> I don't know. Everything's fine. <laughs> I just haven't opened my laptop to look. <laughs> um, you know, I, we've made the joke that Harambe is listening to it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and we're going to add a link to the um, the Spotify playlist that we made with all the songs on there. And so if you guys want to check it out, you can at least hear the songs that we picked. And I'm sure at some point we'll, uh, we'll give you like a cliff notes of it maybe. I don't yeah. know. But um, yeah. Sorry about that. Uh, that's my second time beefing up, but you know what? It's making me better as an editor. That's right. Because we're, I, we're growing along with you, Dill. I'm not. I'm not normally the editor of podcasts. Normally, my older brother was uh, able to do all that. But I'm having growing pains. But we're also we're growing. Our sounds getting better gradually, hopefully. So anyway, before uh, we get into it, we're going to talk about Youngblood's Weird from 2020. Yeah, bud. I want to get your thoughts on it. And uh, if you had heard of Youngblood before. So, yeah, I had heard the name before, probably through TikTok, I imagine. It osmosis itself into my brain. But I wasn't aware of anything that this person did. I came into it thinking this could be, like, trap. This could be anything, really. I I didn't expect what I got, for sure. Um, And it's interesting. uh, Because music today has been given such interesting platforms, like SoundCloud and TikTok, to kind of proliferate itself. So I feel like that lends itself to a mix of a lot of different genres as well. And I, I think I'm to a point in my life where I just don't quite get it. You know what I mean? There's there's going to be stuff that comes out that I don't get. And mumble rap is one of those things for me. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't get the appeal. It's not catchy. Uh, I just I don't get that stuff. So I, I, I fully was ready to not understand this album from the second I, from the first note. I was like, okay, it's going to be one of those yeah. albums. I'm just, I'm too big of an L seven weenie man to, to really get this stuff anymore. I don't think that's the case. I think we are a little bit older than some of the, the popular music right yeah. now. We're not the target audience. Let's just put it that way. Right. And I think, you know, give me maybe 15 years ago when I was yeah. 13, I could have been really into this. Yeah. And I, I think it's fine, but I also think I, I think about the options that people have now. Like 
this is the kind of music I would have really wanted when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, similar to how a lot of the emo music back then, My Chemical Romance, the used that we've covered, um, it covers some like, if you're feeling alone, this is music to, to listen and not feel so alone. Yeah. And I think that is why I'm drawn to it. Like I don't like you said, I don't really understand all of it and I can't really relate to all of it. But at the same time, I think there are some cool themes, cool sounds, and it's kind of all over the place, which is kind of. Uh, yeah, I, that's an understatement. I, I had multiple times in my notes. I'm like, what the fuck is this album? What even is this album? <laughs> I don't understand it. It just it's so off the wall, like bouncing off the wall. It has no. I think that's one of my main things with the album, too, is that it just doesn't have a clear direction as far as like what it wants to sound like. And those are my favorite types of albums where they're cohesive. We've talked about it before. Mm -hmm. Like cohesion is a good thing in music. Like, yeah, you want to subvert expectations, but you also want to have a sound that is recognizable. And I'm not sure Youngblood establishes a sound that is a signature in this for me. Yeah. And I, I've gone back and listened to some of the older, um, older releases he had and it's kind of the same thing, but this sounds sonically is a lot better than the last album. But also, like you said before, Youngblood kind of sounds like a rapper name or like a it does. Um, like the emo rap that was around. So I kind of steered away until we had a song with MGK and Travis Barker last year. Yeah. I think I'm okay. So I've kind of been keeping tabs. And so when this album came out at the end of 2020, uh, I figured it would be a good one to s- step into. Because you picked my lane. It kind of inspired me to be like, you know what? I'm going to try and find something that I'm not 100% familiar with and we'll just kind of figure it out together. Yeah. So, let's get into track number one, Teresa. You want to go first? Uh, sure. Yeah, I can do that. Um, so it started out uh, pretty, pretty bad, pretty poorly. <laughs> it's like this is not. I turned it on. I was like, oh no. <laughs> the only thing that's the only thing that like saved me like initially from the song was like the creepy bells in the beginning. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Maybe this will turn out to be something not terrible, which is what it sounded like. Um. The first chorus comes and goes, and I just was like, okay, buckle up, strap in, here we go. Um, but then the beat dropped out after that, and then it kicked into more of like a rocky feel, uh, and it was and it was much better. And I think that's the story of this song. Like every 20 or so seconds after that, it gets better. Like he adds an element that sounds more like an actual song to me. And it's, it's just, it's an interesting ride. It goes from like a straight up, like sappy ballad to rock to a power ballad. And then it ends, which I think is a cool transformation of a song. Like the power ballad part, like right towards the end is actually really, really uh, enjoyable to listen to. I just was, it's for an opening track. It was just so confusing. And I, and I think that's, it might be on purpose because the rest of the album is very confusing as well. Yeah. I, I watched an interview and he said that uh, he wanted to go into uncharted territory. He wanted time changes. He wanted to let loose with his vocals. He wanted harmonies. He wanted like an emo Freddie Mercury sound. And you can kind of hear all that. And I think honestly, he says this is the first song he wrote. So I'd imagine that's why it's number one. Yeah. Because I feel the same way. I don't think this should, this should be the last song on the album. It should be not the first one. Yeah. Uh, I, I have some thoughts later on that I'll get into about where songs need to be and songs that need cut. Yeah, I'm I, sure you do too. Well, I, I just I think this album could be three to four songs shorter. I think we but we talked about that already. Yeah. But yeah, this one feels like he shot for the stars and kind of end up shooting into the side of a mountain instead. <laughs> like he, he it's the peak of the mountain. Yeah, but he hit the side of a mountain when he was shooting for the stars, and I think that's okay. I mean, it's cool to take risks and. 
I, again, I, it could sound really cool to somebody that n- knows more than I do. Uh, it could be something that I just my ear can't pick up. But it just to me, it's just kind of a messy, messy song that ends up being pretty good by the end of it. Yeah, uh, lyrically, it's about um, a boyfriend who dies and is looking over his girlfriend in the afterlife. Yeah, and Youngblood says he feels it has parallels with how he feels about his fan base. So if if this new album turns people off, he's still going to appreciate all their support and stuff like that. So how, it's, it's how long has nice. he been making music? Uh, like three or four years now. Come on. He's 23. You're not, you're not old enough in the industry <laughs> or old enough in general to be making statements like that. Yeah. Well, like I said, this song feels too grand to be an opening track. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll get into the second song. Cotton candy. So I'm surprised you didn't want to do this or no, you are doing this one first. I yeah, am. go for it. I <laughs> uh, I love a token sex song. If yeah. you, if, We've been doing this podcast long enough for people to realize I love a token sex song, and this bass fucks, dude. It does. That was the first thing I, I listened when I this, it came on my release radar before um, the album came out, and I was like, dong, 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 dong. Yeah. I was like, oh, yes. But it feels like the lyrics could be from an 80s hair band, yeah. but it's about being comfortable with your sexuality, embracing it. It's just like a really fun bubblegum song that, like, we talked about it on Queen City last week, and I was just, I'm obsessed with this song, and it's what made me pick the album. Yeah. So I love it. Yeah, that's the first thing I noticed too was the bass line. And it, it, I texted you, Dylan, because I was like, I spent 20 minutes trying to find this, the song that this bass line reminded me of, and it was Less I Know by Tame Impala. The boom, 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 boom. You know, it, yeah. it's just. I don't know, I can't even, I'm not doing it justice, but it, it's it, listen to the less I know by Tame Impala and then listen to Cotton Candy and the bass lines are almost exactly the same. Um, it, the the difference is the less I know by Tame Impala, I really like <laughs> Cotton Candy, not necessarily. Uh, I really like a lot. The thing with this album is I like a lot of the instrumental elements. I think they're cool. Um, but I don't think they necessarily mesh together. Well, like I like this, I love a chunky baseline. Everybody knows that if you've listened to this podcast, I love bass forward music. Uh, so I was really excited for this. I was like, hell yeah, let's go. Um, but then it's just coded in like the super, super sweet, like, I don't know. The, the lyrics are super sweet. I don't really like his vocals. I think the the styles that he goes for are a lot heavier than what his vocals allow him to do. That's just personal preference on mm-hmm. my end. But they don't. It, it feels like you got this this really heavy bass, like really heavy um, ba- like track underneath something that's like four or five levels lighter than it. And it just doesn't really sync well with me. I I get why you like it. And I get why, like I get why other people would like it. It's very easy to listen to. It's a simple song. It's simple hook. Um, to me, it just feels overproduced. It's again, it's like shooting for the stars and hitting the side of a mountain. And it's kind of what, that's kind of the, the whole synopsis of if I had to sum it up in one word or one sentence, that's how I would sum up this album. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, and I write it is. It feels like cotton candy. When you first get it, you're like, "Fuck yeah, this is great." And then you start eating it and you realize how much of it you have and how sick your stomach feels. And then you look at the color and you're like, "Oh, this just makes it worse because it still looks good." You know what I mean? Yeah. And it, but you've got this stomach ache, and you're like, "I don't know if I want to finish this." <laughs> <laughs> so that yeah, you're right. This song is like cotton candy for me, not in the sexual connotation, but in the <laughs> The the physical way it nauseates me so by the end of it. Candy, you get sick. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but again, it's not a bad song. It's just not my taste. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, that's really all I have to say about that. Um, I guess we'll get into strawberry lipstick next. Strawberry lipstick. All right, old strawberry lipstick. Um, again, I think I talked about. I don't know. I I can't get watermelon sugar off my mind. Mm-hmm. And so when I came into strawberry lipstick, expecting something like watermelon sugar, I was very disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a good. It's it's a good punk song. Like it's it's just a good like upbeat punk song. It has a little bit of balls to it, which is pretty. You know, it's nice to hear after the first two songs, which are kind of like very, very sugary and very pop and bubblegummy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's an okay track. I, like I said in the last track, I didn't. I don't really like his clean vocals. When he gets a little more growly, it's it feels more at home. I feel like this guy needs to be just a straight up pop punk artist. I think I would like that more. The songs I've heard him before this album were him featured with Burt McCracken from The Used yeah. and MGK, and like songs where he did let loose a lot more. Yeah, that feels more correct instead of trying to like it's more pop than punk. Mm-hmm. And I wrote like. His clean vocals feel like a really cool beard, but then all of a sudden there's like a bald spot. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and then you go back into like the gruff vocals. That's yeah. It's just it's just weird. It's not bad. It's just like oh that ooh, where's that smooth spot coming from? No, okay, we're back into the the cool beard. Yeah. yeah so <laughs> that's just it's like a patchy beard. This song. So yeah, I, I don't really have much to say about any of these tracks lyrically. To be perfectly honest, I didn't do a whole lot of digging into them either because it's like you say it all the time: you're overthinking a pop album, and that's just like yeah, it, it is what it is. So yeah, uh, I I like this song because it feels like '80s punk, and yes. I feel like that's not something that's done a lot. Like this is very Sex Pistols, Ramones kind of, and I think that's this is one of the first songs that I heard that I hadn't heard before that I was really excited about. Um, because it does feel like Sex Pistols, Ramones, and it kind of feels like a Teenage Rebellion song yeah. that, ha- that doesn't really get done as much as it used to. Um, the interview I watched said that he drew inspiration from Out of Snow in this song. Out of Snow is a fictional character from Get Him to the Greek and Forgetting Sarah Marshall, and it's played by Russell Brand. But um, I thought it was kind of strange because it feels like a lot of people do, when they picture like a rock star, that's kind of who they envision because yeah. that's like the most recent movie that has someone like that. Anyway, um, it's I the interview I watched, uh, he went song by song, so I just had some tidbits from each song that he mentioned. And um, it said that when he met with his label, they'd mentioned that they wanted him to wear a suit. So this song, he's like, fuck you, I'm not wearing a suit. I'm going to wear a skirt. I'm going to dye my hair red. I'm going to go in there. I'm going to play fucking strawberry lipstick. So it's like... I I enjoy it for that reason, just like being genuinely yourself and yeah. over like it's kind of it's kind of teenagey. Yeah, it's, it's it borders on petulant almost. Yeah, where which is I think again where we're too kind of old. Maybe I'm too old to get it. I just don't understand petulance anymore. It's like mm-hmm. if you want me to wear a suit, that's fine. You're you're paying my paycheck, <laughs> I guess. Like, <laughs> but in a in a place where it's like more artsy and yeah. like. The, you have your own identity and you have fans that like you for a certain reason. Like yeah. People don't like me because not how I dress. Sure. Yeah. Anyway, I thought it was a, a cool little tidbit about the song that gives it a little bit more punk to it. Yeah, for sure. I think that's a the very punk type attitude to have. It's like, Oh no, I'm going to do this. It's, it's like, it reminds me of one of my favorite stories of Mike Patton. I think I've told you the story before where he went on spring MTV spring break and they wanted him to do like a lip sync track. He's like, no, I don't. Do, I don't lip sync. My voice is too good. 
They're like, well, we're playing the track on live TV anyway. So he went on his stage performance and just did like fish mouth. He didn't like try to make it look like he was singing. He just opened his mouth up as wide as he could and closed it as tight as he could over and over again. It kind of looked like a puppet. So that shit, I, that I appreciate like kind of sticking it to the man. If they want you to do something, you're not artistically uh, willing to do. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, Blink-182 had a music video where they gave him all this money to go spend it on a music video. And they just like went and dumped it out on the street. And it's like, you know, there's certain, Aspects of punk that are really, I really relate to for some yeah. reason. So, uh, next one is Mars, which I think is mine. Um, Youngblood says that this is a song um, that he wrote after he met a trans girl at a show in Maryland, and the trans girl's parents were not really understanding to how she was transitioning from a boy to a girl, and you know the parents just weren't understanding, so she saved up enough money, took her parents to a young blood show, and that was like kind of opened their eyes to, you know, the community of people that go to those kind of shows and people. So um, it really struck a chord with him saying, you know, it felt good for someone to tell him that it's like an open-minded place to go to one of his shows. So he wrote the song called Mars. And I think it's a really cool song and it's a second, um, it's a second song on our show that mentions being from Mars because yeah. um, the main. So we have some themes here, obviously. Yeah. Being from Mars. There's no liar track on here. No, no. liars. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think there's a palate cleanser on this album either. No. <laughs> but it's it's kind of like one of those, you know, I kind of feel like an alien, but it's nice to know that your friends are kind of aliens too. Yeah. So uh, it's a very emo kid track to like yeah. just want to feel like you belong somewhere. Yeah, and again, I, I, my first thing is, is like, I know I'm just not cool enough to see what I'm missing here. And then I went on to say, like, <laughs> it's like the Cinnamon Toast Crunch commercials where they ask the parents why Cinnamon Crunch t- Toast Crunch tastes so good and they just don't get it. Mm-hmm. Like, no, it's the Cinnamon Sugar Swirls, dummy. You're too old to get it. <laughs> Let me punch you in the face, old man. <laughs> So it's it's like that's what I feel like listening to this. I feel like the adults in Cinnamon Toast Crunch commercials when I listen to this song. Hearing that backstory makes it sound makes it a little bit more uh, grounded to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I like again, I like the instrumental bed here, and I like at the end where he becomes more screamy. It's almost like it almost feels like a like a, if Muse was sad. You know, yeah, <laughs> that's kind of what, it, which is not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. I, I love Muse. I think Muse is one of my favorite acts of the last twenty years or so. Um, so to be called a, a Muse that's just sad, I think is is a compliment. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and I wrote, you know, I think I'm officially old because I, I just don't. I, I we're four songs in at this point, and I just at this point I was like, okay, I started to realize like I, there's there's something good here. I just don't know what it is, and I can't put my finger on it. And I don't know if it's just musical sensibilities have left me by, and I'm finally to an age where I'm just going to think all new music sounds weird. But I don't think I'm to that point yet. I just I don't, there's some stuff that's out there that I'm, I know I'm just never going to get because I'm either too old to get the themes, or I'm too old because like I have musical sensibilities that I'm kind of stuck in. Yeah. So well, this is kind of, I kind of feel like you and I have kind of switched places where like you were really high on the new Miley stuff, and I was like you know kind of middle of the road to yeah. higher end. And, you know, it's kind of switched today where I'm I'm more into it than you are. But, you know, we it's just too – they're a little bit younger. Like Miley's my age, but it still feels like it's younger people yeah. for, and it's younger people music. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, 
and I, I've softened on my love for that that Miley album too since then. I still love it. Um, it's just not as good as I initially thought it was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so um, yeah, I think you're right. I think it's I don't know. It's it's interesting to be in this position where I kind I I know I shouldn't. Are there? I know there's good things here. I just don't know what it is. It's it's an interesting uh, place to be as a listener. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, so uh, next on, one is Super Dead Friends. Super Dead Friends. As, <laughs> this is the first time I was like, what the fuck is this album? Uh, this is like a Beastie Boys meets Jane's Addiction track, which is super interesting. Um, I actually really kind of like this song to start. Um, it's a really cool and crunchy and raw. Uh, like even the clean vocals, which I have been not a fan of, kind of fit better in this song because the rest of the song is so overwhelmingly like it's chaos. Yeah, it's crunchy. It's, it, that's the best way I can describe it is crunchy. Uh, but I really like it because I, you know, I love like that because the Beastie Boys started out wanting to be a punk band. And so I loved when they like brought in like super heavy distorted guitars into their stuff. And it's, I, I, I love, love, love the Beastie Boys. It's one of my forbidden pleasures is the Beastie Boys. I think they're some of the best rappers of all time. Oh, yeah. Uh, so it's for me to call say this sounds like a Beastie Boys track, I think is pr- pretty high praise. Uh, I think that's what he was going for as well. Yeah. Uh, from For me personally, I think this one kind of just misses a mark. I'm not a huge... I think I like the idea, but I think there's too much distortion to his sure. voice when he's rapping. Sure. I think if he would have just like let it go a little bit more and not use as much, you know, distortion, it would have been fine. But I do like the chorus. I thought the chorus was fine. Yeah. And I think, you know, like I said, this, this is very reminiscent of like early beastie boys, which I really, really like. So it makes sense that I like this a little bit more than you do because I like, I I've established that I like this <laughs> sound. Yeah. I grew up listening to stuff that sounded like this. So mm-hmm. I think that's cool. Yeah. Next one is love song. Uh, it's kind of the only time we really slow down this whole album. Uh, I disagree. <laughs> what else? Uh, what is it? Uh, Charity? Well, it's Quiet in Beverly Hills, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yep. I'm way off base. <laughs> Thanks for keeping me in check. <laughs> there's, uh, like, there's like four like four love songs. There's so many, so many songs. Um, it's kind of just talking about how he grew up with a warped perception of love because his parents were an abusive relationship with one another. And so the only thing you've really cared about was protecting his sisters and then kind of navigating love as an adult when you haven't seen or experienced love yourself. So I thought it was a cool version of a love song. It's not one that gets uh, done a whole lot. It's not like I met girl, girl completes me. Yeah. It's kind of like I'm f- kind of fucked up and I'm kind of trying to figure this all out on my own. So, yeah, and I it's funny you say that because I wrote I, I, sonically this reminds me of Hey Hey Delilah, mm-hmm. and I don't know it, like I know they're not anywhere close like that's a, like they, the plain white tea song is just just so sweet and so earnest, and I actually watched a little clip of him maybe that's why because I had just seen the clip of him explaining who Delilah was he actually took her to the Grammy like the girl from that song to the Grammys which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's sonically that that's kind of what it reminds me of. Just kind of that super sweet, easy listening song. Uh, obviously, the lyrics are a bit dark, a bit darker, I should say. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I like I enjoy songs that don't pretend to be anything other than what they are. And I think there's some there's some sort of simplicity that I respect in that. You know, this that old adage, "Keep it simple, stupid." 
And I think that that can be applied to certainly pop music a lot. And I think if you can do it well, I think that is a recipe for success. So I don't, I mean, again, I don't hate this song, but again, I don't really, I'm not going to be blaring it as I drive down the street either. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, next one, God save me, but don't drown me out. Yes. So again, this, uh, it's weird that this, this album reminded me of so many other artists that I like, but I didn't necessarily like the album. I don't, again, I don't dislike the album either. I just, I think I just don't get it. Um, and I wrote, this is like if cold pay, cold play went emo punk. Uh, it, it's, it's kind of strange. Uh, but I, I, there's something here I knew I liked, and I, this is the first song I actually went back and listened to right away a second, third and fourth time. And it, there's it's because of the timing signature switches which or seemingly timing signature switches they're not it's just the the downbeats fall at different parts in the time which is super clever like writing and i really appreciate that uh, so it gives the illusion of a slower tempo uh but it really is a consistent like tempo all the way through and i really you know i appreciate like smart interesting m- instrumentals like that yeah so yeah, I, I, like I, I heard it, and my ear was so confused. But I was like, I knew, I know there's something good here. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna go back and re-listen to this and really try to figure out what is what is good about this, even though it it doesn't, it sounds cacophonous to me at first. And then once I, I sat there and I, I did that on the table. I kept time with my hand, and and I listened to when this the beats switch and I was like, okay, it's still the same timing. It's just, he's doing the downbeats at different times. And I was like, okay, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. So yeah, I, I have a lot of respect for this song and it, this is where I started to realize like this guy is talented. I just don't, again, I don't get it. I just, there's something, there's something underneath the surface here that I can't quite penetrate to get to, to really kind of enjoy this stuff. Yeah. I, I, I really like the opening guitar where it's just like, yeah. Um, he says, it kind of drew he drew inspiration from Ed Sheeran's Castle on the Hill, where that whole guitar is just like yeah. running the whole time, kind of being the metronome. I really like the the bridge, the uh not gonna waste my life because I've been fucked up. It's just like the way he just like lets loose with it and it just like first time I heard this song I got chills, ran it back. And it's definitely one of my favorite ones on the album. Yeah, and and it's it's one one of my least favorite tropes in like emo music is song titles that are complete sentences. So I saw this, I was like, God damn it, man! <laughs> but then I listened to, it, I was like, All right, this is fine. It's fine. I don't hate it. It's not being super facetious, like a, yeah, like a, yeah. an old Panic or a yeah. Fall Out Boy song. This guy does have a lot of that uh, kind of vocal, and I like really whiny vocal that I don't like. But I think it's a stylistic choice that I just don't personally like which is okay so i think i've gotten over the point of saying oh that's shitty because i don't like it he's gotten better about i think it's getting older and like kind of growing out of the the teenageness yeah it's like not as like high-pitched yeah stop whining with your vocal just be a good singer (laughs) that's the way i see it personally i think you like when people like brendan urie is a perfect example of that when he just decided to be a good vocalist like i fucking love brendan urie now and i talk about him a lot but because he's he's my He's my touchstone to the emo world because I it's I used to hate panic, but now I go back and I listen to it and I'm like, okay, I understand what was going on at this time in his life and why he's doing these stylistic choices and I can appreciate it much more. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh next one is Ice Cream Man. Is this is this I think you? it's me. Yeah. Uh this song is another song about teenage rebellion. 
It's a song that could have been cut, if you ask me. Yeah. Uh, it's catchy enough to probably get some radio play, but um, you know, I do like the like ice cream man. Na 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 na. Like that's catchy, but like for the most part, this is kind of a, a throwaway song for me. Yeah, I don't disagree. Uh, it's this song reminds me of Lit. Do you remember the band Lit? Lit follows me on Instagram. <laughs> Do they really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's this song reminds me of that. So uh, clearly, he listened to a lot of like early two thousands like rock. Yeah. Because that's this song sounds like a lit song. Like it could be very easily a lit song. Uh, it's like again Jane's addiction mixed with like lit, which is a weird combo. Uh, but it kind of works. Like the beginning, like subverts your expectations really nicely. But the, after that, I'm just like, yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you because I don't. I used to listen to lit all the time. I have one of their albums, but I've, I've kind of grown out of that style of music, and so I don't really want to listen to it again. So unless it's lit and I can have a nostalgia, like rose tinted glass and like goggles for it, but I don't want to hear somebody else do that. Sound. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, next one is weird. Yeah. So again, the title track is exactly what it, it says it is. It's a weird track. Um, it's, it's like a drum machine synth underneath and it's, it gives it like a weird vibe because you don't, we haven't heard that type of production up until this point and it's like I, if i had to like label this song it would be electro pop punk i guess i, I, I it's, it's so confusing to me it's strange but it kind of works I, I mean i really i like when people take risks and this was certainly a risk in the middle of an album that had nothing that sounded like this but none of these songs sound like each other so this was just kind of the most divergent up to this point i think the whole album from here gets all very very divergent um, but yeah, I think this is, again, it's one of those things where I, I, I hear it and I hear why it, I hear something that could be good. I just don't understand what it is. So I can't fully understand it cause I'm left just feeling confused, like kind of punch drunk. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I just don't, yeah, I, again, it's, it's weird. Yeah. I, I think it's a, a fun song and it's got, um, some cool elements, but also it kind of bugs me sometimes. I don't know exactly yeah. what it is, but. There's something about the song that bugs me. I think the class, like, because when you get to the chorus, it's like classic, classic punk drums. It's it's it's, it's like a it sounds like a three piece drum set, and it's it just I don't know. It, there's something disjointed about that. So yeah, I said um, it's it's another song that I feel like could have been cut. Yeah, and it feels like a a B side to the 1975. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah, okay. um, sure, just like kind of the they're going for the weirdness. Yeah, kind of staring into it. So. It's it's like you said it's a fine song but also if I could cut any three songs which I guess we can get into number ten charity yeah if I can cut any three songs it would be eight nine and ten I would cut ice cream man weird and charity sure just because I think thirteen songs for an album that's so chaotic is it's going to lose people's attention well it lost mine this this is this the album started losing my attention at this point and, yeah. and that's when I texted you I was like fuck this album's so fucking long but it's really not it's like forty five minutes long. So for 13 tracks to feel like it's like an hour and a half long, that's it's not a good. Like yeah. You need to trim some fat there. Uh, I skip this song every single time except my note-taking through. <laughs> uh, the spoken word verses, verses kind of aggravate me. Um, I just don't feel like the song was needed. 
maybe it's just like, hey, uh, we're going to do 13 songs. Every single song is going to, we're going to go for a different thing. Yeah. Like we're going to go for the Beastie Boys. We're going to go for the 1975. We're going to go for, you know, I, I don't know that for sure, but that's just my guess. Uh, donate my brain to charity is a pretty fucking punk rock thing to say. It's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> like and, I actually kind of like that. And I really, I, I like the chorus, but like the spoken words, I'm like, get me the, get me out of this song. Yeah. So I guess, you know, if, if you can kind of tolerate the, the spoken word stuff, the chorus is, is pretty fucking cool. Yeah. Conversely, I actually kind of liked the spoken word because you can hear his accent. And I think hearing a British accent on a punk song gives it a little bit more just in general gives it a little bit more, I don't know, grit. I don't know. Yeah. But I agree. And I, this is, this is the thing I was going to I told you that might offend you when, before we started recording, but the last part of this album, like I think the last three songs that you said you would cut feels very good. Charlotte to me. Hmm. It's it feels like a good Charlotte album where it's like, (laughs) okay, I get it. You want to be a punk guy, but you're not really punk. And so you're going to spike your hair in crazy ways and color it stupid colors and put on a heavy eyeliner and, you know, do the, the stiff upper lip. But you're not, but in, when in reality, you're kind of a pussy. You know what I mean? That, that's what these last few songs sound like to me. And I, it really, really pissed me off because it's like, I fucking hate Good Charlotte. And I don't want to listen to another Good Charlotte album. Like, there's been enough terrible punk bands in the, in the, in the world. And Charity really was the the cherry on top of that shitty good Charlotte cake for this album. It gets much better from here on out, but that, that was the note I took was like, this feels like eight, a, nine and 10. This is starting to feel like a good Charlotte album. And I really hate that. Yeah. And I, th- we, I think we're pretty harsh on like the, like leading up to the end of the album. And yeah. that might just be because they try and hide these songs that like, aren't great. They're not going to be singles. Yeah. But why put them on the album? That's my question. <laughs> right. You know, like just, like I know you have to have a certain amount of songs to be considered a full length album, but fuck, like cut those three and you got t- a ten song album. Yeah. Um. So yeah, take our advice, young blood. <laughs> we're here to help you. Well, yeah, well, or or don't because we've established that we're just too old to understand. But th- I think there's there's some legitimacy to what we're saying as well. It's like this: uh, I shouldn't listen to an album and lose interest mm-hmm. on and you know not even three quarters of the way in. Yeah. So number eleven is act, acting like that by or featuring MGK. Yeah, um, I, I wrote this is one of the better songs on the album, mainly because it's an MGK track on a Youngblood album. <laughs> like, Dude, the first minute and a half is just an M- MGK song. I was like, okay, yeah, this is good. I can listen to this. This uh, this sounds like something that is music. Whereas the rest of the album seemed kind of like almost experimental in a way compared to comparatively. Mm-hmm. There's like, okay, cool. This actually makes sense. It's cohesive. Like it's super simple. It's just a simple trap beat that MGK kind of wraps over. Um, but by comparison, it was, this might be the palate cleanser on the album. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, I said this song sounds like it belonged to MGK's tickets to my downfall. <laughs> yeah, and somehow it's, it's just an MGK it was like, song. I don't have room on my album. You want it? <laughs> yeah. I know we recorded this. Hey man, I know how to make an album good and not make it boring. So I'm going to cut some songs. Do you want this one? <laughs> yeah, I want all the songs. Give them to me. What's crazy is uh machine gun Kelly's tickets to my downfall. I've talked about it a bunch, but like he, rec- he has that and then he has like a sold out. So it's a deluxe version. Mm-hmm. It came out like two weeks from one another. Dude cannot stop releasing music with Travis Barker. And I think why would he is, like that's I mean, and I think this is where I think MGK 
young blood and Travis Barker could make a really fun new punk, sure. like kind of evolve punk from where it's been. And, um, MGK dominates the vocals on this song, but the beat is really cool. I really like the, the dichotomy of MGK and young blood's voices together. Yeah. I kind of feels like MGK has got that dark and gritty voice. And then young blood kind of comes in with like the emo sounding voice. Yeah. And that's what made, I think I'm okay. Such a popular song. Yeah. It gives a little more, more chutzpah. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> it gives the album a little bit more balls, you yeah. know? Um, so, yeah, it's it's it was good to hear something. This Because this brought me back to life, essentially, on this album for the ending of the album. So that's a good thing. I think yeah, I think you might be right where he was trying to hide those three because he, he knew maybe that this was a much better track than those. So. People are going to listen to the album looking for this song. Yeah, for sure. Um, the next one is It's Quiet in Beverly Hills. And this is a, if there's a token song about sex, there's a token song about L.A. sucking somewhere on an album <laughs> yeah. we talked about. Um, it's not the first song to ever have said that L.A. sucks, but it feels pretty genuine to me. And it feels like it's an easy thing to relate to where, you know, you just find your, you wake up one day and you find yourself like, how the hell did I get here? And why am I so fucking miserable for my own choices? And just trying to find a path where you can make yourself happy again and trying to figure out who and what is important to you. That's maybe I'm overthinking the song, but I also think, you know, there's, there's something to be said about people that do wake up and they're unhappy in LA. Cause there's people that live their whole lives there and become pieces of shit. So <laughs> well, that, that happens everywhere. You know, yeah. But like LA is like the epitome of, of yeah, that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's again, I don't have much to say about this song. It's simple. It's clean. And it's like the fourth slow ass song on this album that doesn't grab my attention. So it's like, what, what do I, I have nothing left to say about these. They're so shitty to me. And, and I've been, I've been trying to ride that middle line, but I think at this point in the album, I was so like, I had just come off a, a track that sounded really cool. And then to let me down with this bullshit afterwards, like, come on, like, like you really were giving me some hope towards the end here. And I was like, I was just ready for the album to be done after hearing this. Mm-hmm. So leading into that with the freak show, I was blown away because yeah. what, what the fuck is this song? This song makes no fucking sense, but it, it worked. It, finally, he made it work. I wrote, is this Backstreet's Back? <laughs> this song, it, I mean, it's legitimately identical to Backstreet's Back to start. And I was like, that's not a bad thing because Backstreet's Back kicks ass. And I was like, what the fuck is this album? I said, wait, now it's like a panic song at the, in the chorus? And it's like this this song gave me whiplash, man. It was like, what the fuck is happening? And yeah. it, but it's 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 a great track to end on because it kind of soars into oblivion to kind of lead the album out. And I think I would have cut out "It's Quiet in Beverly Hills," gone straight from acting like that to the to the freak show. You don't need a cool down. You you just don't just just keep that momentum going. Not and a just, song twelve. No, yeah, just keep that momentum going and just. Shoot the listener out into the stratosphere with that last song, which is what it does effectively. But it's it's just kind of a letdown to have that fucking downer track right before it. It's like a little dip right before a big hill and a roller coaster, <laughs> where you know it could have been much faster. It's like the you know what it is. It's the you know the turn on the beast where you're going into the tunnel and it like whips you around. This is like when they put the brakes on that turn, like, I don't know, 10 years ago where it used to just fucking beat the shit out of you. And it was a lot more fun, but now they have brakes on that turn. They have like a little dab of brakes. That's what it's quiet in Beverly Hills is. <laughs> yeah. I, I, this is the epitome of what I wanted from this album. Yeah. Um, it's like haunting 
a haunting house, bombastic, yeah. freak show, catchy, creepy, very panicky, like um, vices and virtue panic is kind of what it reminds me sure. of. It's got those elements to it. Um, it's one of my favorites on the album. and it's, it's absolutely my favorite song on the album. I thought it should have been the opener. But, you know, it, uh, yeah. what you said kind of makes sense for it to be the closer as well. Yeah, I could see either one. I don't think there's another song strong enough to be the closer on this album. Yeah. I just don't. I mean, I, I, I agree with you. It would be a great opener. I just, what would you replace this with? I, I thought Teresa was kind of like a, a, yeah. a cool one. to Sure. Like after acting like that, just to like finish up with Teresa would be. Something light. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I could see that. But, um. Yeah, we can get into closing thoughts if you want. Well, yeah. Well, this kind of leads into this is my last note on Freak Show, and I was like, it kind of this song pisses me off too at the same time because it smacks of wasted opportunity. Kind of what you were just saying, where this the whole album should have sounded like this. It should have been crazy, bombastic, just really big, soaring stuff. Like you can do an album like that every now and again. I mean, that Muse has made a whole career off of just big bombastic sounds. So you can make even a whole career out of it. And it pisses me off because I found myself wanting to like the album and I just couldn't, you know, and it's like, it pisses me off because he made me this, this guy held me in the shallow end of his talent pool till the very end and then he pushed me into the deep end i was like oh shit you are talented now i'm drowning in your talent you know what i mean yeah and so it it pisses me off that he kind of kept me in the shallow end i think that's that's my overall prevailing thought about this album it is only his second release you know he had one in 2019 and this is his his, uh second release so he is on the up and up i think i think it's him just kind of fine-tuning things so you know well, there's a lot to fine-tune here because this this album is a fucking mess <laughs> that's also kind of the reason why i like it i kind of like the, sure. the chaos and i like the the like i mentioned earlier i like the whole you know i want to be weird i want to be different and even if it is a little try hard i think it's definitely try hard i think that's my biggest problem with it is it's it feels very try hard like a good charlotte to me until the very end where it, it feels more refined and it feels like he actually got a producer to be like hey you've got some cool shit here let's make a kick-ass track yeah i don't know i, I think <laughs> overall i i had fun with it i there's songs obviously that i'm gonna skip but there's yeah. probably some i'll add to my playlist and add into my repertoire you know um god save me is the one that i'll probably keep listening to but you know overall I kind of just shot in the dark. I heard one song and I was like, hey, Kev, I'm kind of just going to go for it because sure. we talked about doing another album that was like from 2009. But after we did the Miley one, I thought it was it was fu- a fun exercise to kind of dig into an artist who I didn't have a lot of experience with. You didn't have a lot of experience with. So. Yeah, no experience with. Yeah. So, other than knowing the guy's name. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think... Again, I, I don't hate the album. Like, I don't dislike the album at all. I think I, there's a lot of good stuff here. Uh, and it, it's... It feels like very radio friendly stuff, but better than that. Yeah. Because I hate like stuff that's radio friendly just for the sake of being radio friendly. I think that's such a trite and old thing to do. And he's got good pop sensibility, but he still can be different. And I think that's, he could easily just lean into being pop, which I wish he would do. I think if he would just, yeah, use some time to experiment, but have that on like a, you know, an EP or something like that. Have your experimentation be on an EP or something that's not a main album release. 
But I also think that's kind of the way a lot of pop artists are right now. Like, Possibly, hey, yeah. on this track, I'm going to go for, because that's kind of what Miley did as well. Yeah, that's like, true. Hey, this song, I'm going to go for super punk rock. This song, I'm going to go for the Beastie Boys. Yeah, but even then, it was still like, there was still like a prevailing overall theme. Like, this is an 80s rock album. It's just different types of that kind of sound. Mm. And this just feels like... I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want on every song, which is against, again, I, re, I respect that. I, again, I, I'm just not old. I'm, not, I'm too old to appreciate it. I think, I think that I'm very set in my ways and how an album should feel. And mm-hmm. this album subverted that in a, a way that I wasn't comfortable with. Hmm. <laughs> so there you go. Young blood's weird from 2020. Uh, so Kev, what are you going to pick next week? So next week to kind of really get dirty after something like that, I was like, I need to do something heavy. Mm-hmm. So I, I thought about doing a few different metal albums, but I decided to go with the fake metal band I've talked about multiple times on the show from the Finally. adult from the Adult Swim show, Metalocalypse, Death Clock. Let's go. Uh, they are a real band that has toured. Ren and Small has put together a band of musicians, and they have toured before, so they actually have played live shows. So, which is which is kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so Death Clock, the Death Album Two. There's one Death Album One, Two, and Three. They keep it keep it simple, stupid, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I picked the efficient. T- always hurts my feelings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> For those you know, we talked all last week about how we didn't really like The Office, and <laughs> Dylan busts out an Office quote. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I think I chose the Death Album too because Death Album One is very much just taking songs that he did in the show and making an album out of them. Death Album Two is the first time he actually focused on taking the shows from the album, the songs from the show, and making like using them as inspiration to make a really really good death metal album. And it's fucking awesome. It's it's good from beginning to end. Uh, there are songs on death album three that I like better. And there's a song on death album three that I think is the most, is the perfect metal song. So that's why I was very heavily leaning towards that. But I think death album two is better from top to bottom. Uh, he has, uh, a legendary drummer on it. Uh, and it's the first time he actually brought in another bassist to do some of the bass stuff. Mm -hmm. So it sounds a little bit more cohesive than up until then he'd been doing every single musical part and doing all of the writing himself. And, so it's 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 feels better. It feels like more musical, I guess. So I'm excited to talk about it because I love Death Clock. They're my favorite, one of my favorite metal bands, if not my favorite metal band <laughs> of the last 20 years. And they don't even really exist. So I'm I'm excited to There's talk. Nothing about better it. than a fake metal band, and they're awesome. So, <laughs> so yeah, uh, we're gonna add links uh, to next week's music. So we're gonna put Death Clock. What's it called? Metal album two? No, it, the album the the album is Death Album two. Death album two. The band is technically Death Clock, Death but they're Clock. from the show Metalocalypse. Okay, I got that all kinds <laughs> of bamboo. I get it, I get it mixed up all the time too. Still, and I've been watching that show for years. So, yeah, and uh, if you guys want to listen to that album in preparation for next week, and if you want to listen to Young Blood's Weird, we're going to put links to both of those. And like we mentioned before, we'll put our playlist from the top five songs of 2020 in there. If you guys want to give it a spin. And uh, let us know what you think. So uh, thanks, guys. We'll see you next week. See you next week.